All right, church, I know it looks a little different today, but I don't see anywhere in scripture where it says where there's less of a crowd because of something that the Holy Spirit won't move, amen? In fact, it says the opposite. It says that where two or three are gathered in his name, his Holy Spirit is here with us. So let's open, let's pray, and then I'm asking you, as a church body, we need to let our worship be our warfare today. And so we can't, when we leave this place, to know that we left it, that we gave it all in worship, and then watch him have the victory when we move from here. Amen? So God, we say that you are welcome. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You have all authority, God. And this isn't just any Sunday. This isn't just another Sunday. This is a day that you have made. The king of the earth, the author of it all, you have created this day. And we submit to you today. We ask for the anointing of your spirit that it would fall, that it would break yokes and bondages. And today, that you would glorify your name at Rock of Grace, God, because you are the king. Amen?
super still quiet that we felt when we didn't know when to start the service and all that, I feel like God says it's time for our voices to rise up and to meet the, meet the sound of heaven. So as we sing, I just want to encourage you, don't let your worship depend on if somebody else is singing. It's time for the worshipers to rise up. It's time for a sound of worship to rise up. falls, it won't prevail, cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph, my God will never fail, oh, 
again. Can you bring up those words? Look at these words. These aren't just words on a screen. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Come on. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph.
us walking in obedience. So can we just as a church say, hey, uh, you know, there's so many biblical examples of a people crying out for the sins of their land and even of the church. And can we just today, whether it's you that needs to do it or as a representation, can we just say, God, we surrender. We as a church, as Rock of Grace, we surrender to you, Holy Spirit, because we so desire to see a victory, to see you win, to see you prevail, and we want it to happen so many different ways. And I say this morning that I confess and I surrender to you, God, that you are all that I need. You're everything. You're the God of victory. The battle has been won. It is written in stone. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you make a way where there is no way. I search the world But it couldn't fill me A man's empty praise And treasures that fade Never
for a minute. I'm thinking of the words over my life, let alone the words over this nation, the words over a people, over a chosen generation. There's so many words that have been spoken and when we don't see it happen the way I thought, even in my own kids, even in my own life, it's easy for the enemy to kind of put a seed of doubt in there, say, no, that was never a promise to the Lord. The Lord's promises are true. And for every, in your spirit, what you're thinking, man, I, this never happened and I thought it would. And I felt like this is a word from the Lord, that a word that you've held on to that in your spirit you felt was from the Lord. Can you just give it to him right now? And we're going to sing this song over those, over those promises. Because he will never, ever fail, ever it would be against the character of who he is that he would lie. It's impossible that God would tell a lie. It is literally impossible. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me For change to come, knowing the battle's won. For you have never failed me. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me. You never fail me. Sing your 
expectation of victory. We have hope in you because you're who you say you are. We will never stop singing your praises, God. Never stop singing your praises, ever. Can we just say that? We will never stop singing your praises, God, because you are holy. You are awesome beyond compare. You are worthy of me lifting my voice to sing and praise your name. You are the king of kings seated on the throne, and you're victorious. Amen. Amen. God is so good, isn't he, church? So I am also your announcer today, and there's no good way for me to transition this.
Thank you, sir. Aren't these guys awesome? All right. So um, we do want to announce that um, obviously you notice it's a little different with me being up here today, and you may have noticed that Pastor Jordan and Pastor Ben aren't here. Um, Pastor Jordan and Danielle have not been feeling well, and so they want to take every precaution and be careful so they're not here today. And Pastor Ben and Nina also, he was exposed uh, to the virus, and he just wants to, he loves you guys, and he wants to be really careful. And so he's not here today. So I got the call last night, and Pastor Jordan said, hey, you're it. So uh, I think it's awesome that we get to be a church and that we get to do this. We still get to gather and worship, and, and, and I think it's worth it. Why? Because the Bible says to. Amen? So I better stick to my notes here. If you're a guest today, please fill out a Connect card in the foyer and hand it to one of our staff in the Welcome Center. So that's all out there. If you're a guest, there's welcome cards. And the reason for that is we want to stay in touch with you. In this season where everybody's staying home, this is our chance to get to know you and get to know who you are and to reach out to you. Uh, We don't have any upcoming events except for that. On November 30th, there's not going to be a slide for this. That's a week from tomorrow. Um, We're going to be decorating the church for the upcoming Christmas season. If you would like to be a part of that, please just contact me. Because uh, I'm in charge of creative arts, and somehow creative arts is uh, under interior design. So I told Pastor Jordan he doesn't know what he's getting into, having me be in charge of decorating. But don't worry, I've delegated it. We joke about it almost every staff meeting. Uh, I said you're going to have a moose head or something on the wall. All right. So at this time, I want to introduce our missionary today, uh, Carl Etheridge. If you would like to come up, sir. Um, Could you guys just welcome him? He's involved with um, Royal Rangers, which Royal Rangers has had an impact on my life. And uh, there we go. Thanks, guys. Man, this is awesome. Is this how it feels to be Pastor Jordan? Like people just bring up stuff and like do all these things for you? And Kathy hasn't even yelled at me yet for missing anything, so I'm doing pretty good. I will remember the offering. Pastor Jordan never does that. Love you, Pastor Jordan. All right, so sir, thank you and uh, love you. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. My name is Carl Etheridge. Along with my wife, Linda, we are missionaries with International Ministries. Uh, connecting with Royal Rangers International. Um, But before I get into that, I just need to explain a little bit of who I am. So um, my wife and I, for the last 14 years, uh, we have been the children's pastors at Harvest Ridge Church over in North Ridgeville. 13 of those years, I've also served as the Ohio BGMC coordinator, uh, helping boys and girls understand that God has a purpose and plan in their lives to make a difference around the world. And our journey, my journey started when I was five years old, when I asked Jesus into my life. I knew at that time that God had a plan and a purpose, and it didn't come about as I had originally thought. You see, God puts us through things. He directs us through things. And in 2000, my wife, we got a full appointment, and we went to Germany. We were missionaries in Germany for six years. But while there, our middle son came down with uh, post-traumatic stress uh, from his time in the German school system there. And Linda and I, we had to step down for missions uh, for the health of our son. So I was a little discouraged. I'm sitting there thinking, well, God, you called me 
when I was five years old. You spoke to me when I was five and said I was going to be a missionary, but I'm having to come off the field. But there are times that God allows things to happen in our lives for a reason. God brought us back here to Ohio, I believe, to to direct BGMC because as missionaries, we understood what Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge did for our missionaries. If it wasn't for that ministry, we wouldn't have had the resources, the puppets and the puppet stage, the sound system, the projectors to be able to do children's ministries. And so we saw firsthand how BGMC made a difference. And coming back here to Ohio, being asked to lead BGMC, we were able to present BGMC in a totally different way to the kids of Ohio. In 2008, we did our uh, very first kids camp that we had a BGMC offering. $1,000 came in that first year in 2008 just from camp. 13 years later, last summer, $31,000 came in during camp to make a difference in the lives of families around the world. We totaled it up. 13 years from kids camp through all of our churches giving. In 13 years, Ohio, with kids and churches like you, gave $2.1 million to missionaries around the world. And that is making a difference. But boys and girls overseas don't have a Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge. BGMC is just a United States missions education ministry. So Linda and I, we see that God took us to the field to see what it was like to be a missionary receiving BGMC, to bring us here, to lead it, to see the potential of what could happen here in Ohio, to now taking this to the other parts of the world. What do you think it would be like if, see, last year alone, the United States gave, the boys and girls gave right at $8.1 million in one year. What would it be like if the kids of Germany, the kids of Argentina, the children in Russia, the kids in Japan, the kids in France would begin to do the same thing? We could see the gospel of Christ hit more areas than ever before. We would see these kids praying. We would see these children giving, but we would also see these children going into their schools, into their neighborhoods, and sharing the love of Jesus. You know, our passport is blue. And because of that blue passport, guess what? There are some nations we can't get into. But if you have a red passport, a German passport, they can get into countries we can't. And they're able to go into those nations and share the love of Christ. God is wanting to raise up boys and girls all over this world, not only to give, but to pray for our missionaries and to also go. So Linda and I, we are going to be developing this thing from scratch, helping our churches in over 93 nations, being able to minister to their kids and teach them that missions is from all nations to all nations. Last year, last February, I I stepped down from director of BGMC because I knew that God was doing something in our heart. And God let me know that something was going to happen. 
And you know how at times we think we're pretty important? Have you ever, any of you here ever thought you were, were all that? You know, back, back a couple of years ago, it was the, the phrase, oh, you think you're a bag of chips and, and all that. And so that's how I was feeling last February. So this is what I told God. God, if you've got a plan for me and you want me to leave our church, have that person call me. So God, if you want me to go to this church or to that church, you have that person call me. How many of y'all think that worked? It did not work. March, April, May, no phone call. June, July, no phone call. August, at General Council, Missions Commissioning Service, sitting there, and the speaker at the pulpit that day, he said this morning, I'm presenting to you the missionary candidates that we have affirmed and God has confirmed the calling on their lives without repentance to go and change the world. And at that moment, God spoke to me. He goes, Carl, I commissioned you 20 years ago. He goes, I sent you to Germany. I never took my hand off of that. He goes, it's time to come back. So I called my wife and said, Linda, God's got a plan. We're supposed to go to missions. And her response was, where? I don't know. So you know what I said? All right, God, if you want us to go to missions, have somebody call me. Did that work? No. And here's why. September of last year, God began to stir in our heart Royal Rangers International, a ministry that is going around the world impacting lives of boys and girls. So I called the national office to speak to the director of Royal Rangers International, Doug Marsh, and I said, hey, Doug, here's what's going on in my heart. Here's what's happening. Linda and I, we really feel that God is wanting us to work with you. And he was quiet for a moment, and he goes, Carl, God told me three months ago that you were going to be a part of our team. He goes, I've been wanting to call you, but God wouldn't let me. Are y'all kidding me? What, what did I just tell God earlier? But see, that wasn't God's plan. We needed to step out. Three nights later, my very first Royal Ranger commander when I was five years old, Gary Johnson, he calls me. He goes, Carl, God has been dealing with me. I've been praying for you for three months. And today I felt that I needed to call you. You see, the call that I received wasn't a call that I was expecting. The call that I ended up getting was a call of confirmation from my very first commander. Royal Rangers is impacting the lives of boys and girls all over the world. But what we're going to be doing, because Rangers is in 93 nations, and because there's 123,000 boys and girls in Royal Rangers around the world, my wife and I, we're going to be creating a, a brand new ministry for Royal Rangers called the Faith at Home Initiative. Have you ever heard of the prophet Elisha in 2 Kings? He just received the double portion 
from Elijah because Elijah went up to heaven. Elisha's first miracle was to purify water. And as he's walking to Bethel, 40 boys come up to him and begin to mock him and ridicule him. Their exact words were, go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. I mean, personally, I could take some offense to that. Um, But it wasn't about his head. It was them being disrespectful. It was them dishonoring God's plan for Elisha. Where do you think the kids learned that from? Do you think they learned that at school? Do you think they learned it from TV and radio? They learned it at home from their moms and dads. They heard their mom and dad mocking and ridiculing the man of God, so they thought they could do it. And what was the consequence for them? Forty bears came out and tore them up. Tore them up. You see, God wants us to reach moms and dads, and that's what the Faith at Home Initiative is about. Faith at Home Initiative is to resource and equip moms and dads to do a specific thing. And so I, I brought along a little thing to, to try to help us understand what that is supposed to be for our parents. You see, parents are, they have something that's in the Bible. The, the Bible says that parents have God's word, and that word is to be a staff. The shepherd staff is used to guide and to direct the sheep. So what we're doing is we're going and we are creating this this Faith at Home initiative that will equip mom and dad with the resource to guide and to direct their children in a relationship with Christ. It's not to whack them on the head in a distance because God's word is never to be used as a weapon against our kids. The purpose of God's word when it comes to our family is to lead them, direct them, and guide them. In Deuteronomy, it says that when we walk with our kids, teach them God's words. When we sit down at the table with them, teach them God's word. And that is what we're gonna be doing with the Faith at Home Initiative. Going out, working with moms and dads, equipping them to raise a generation that can change the world in which we live in. I appreciate you guys being here today. The ushers, the ushers are going to pass out uh, prayer cards. Okay. Now, here's what, I got something for you in regards to the prayer cards. Okay. Uh, There is one special prayer card that has a, a little yellow sticker on the back of it. If you have that yellow sticker, you are going to get something that, no other missionary has ever created, and of course I left it down at the seat. Uh, it is a missionary prayer patch that my wife and I created uh, for people to remember to pray for us. And so if you have that prayer card with a yellow sticker on the back, uh, find me after service and I'll get you your patch. My kids want one of those already, I can tell. Um, so we're going, to, we're going to do the offering a little different today. Um, we're not going to have the ushers do it. There's 
the mercy box, I always don't want to mess that up, is back there on this side. After service, we'll try to give you another reminder there. You can uh, just put missionary on your, on your card or your envelope, and we'll make sure that it goes to this awesome ministry. Can we, so can we pray over this offering and over this awesome ministry? Um, God, we at Rock of Grace are a family ministry, and what he just said resonates in every single heart here. We long to see the word of God taught in homes, and we know that it starts in the homes for the next generation to be raised up. So, Father, would you outpour your blessings supernaturally to provide so that this word that you've given, you will provide for God. So we thank you in advance for that. We ask that that there would be a blessing from Rock of Grace today to this ministry. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Um, Before I introduce uh, our speaker today... I feel like I have a word for somebody, and it's Ashley and Matt. Uh, I was going to do this later, but I know I will forget, and I feel like the the church needs to hear this. I feel like when you guys run, I saw you running, and I know you run, but I saw you running in the spirit, and I feel like, like when you run, God is going to strategically place you in places to run. Like You might even get invitations to run at places where you're like, uh, I've always wanted to go there, but I, I haven't been able to, or God will like literally put you in a place where you'll, you guys will decide together, yeah, I think we're supposed to run here, and everybody else will see it as, who cares, it's running, and you know in your spirit that God, and you're going to know that God's going to place you in places, and I think you, Matt, specifically feel like, like uh, I think God's going to open up a new gifting in you, a, a, a discernment in you as you run, and he's going to show you things to pray for. You're going to run through areas, and you're going to both feel things as you run, and God specifically wants you to intercede as you're running. He's strategically placing you as runners, as forerunners, uh, to go for him. So can we pray over them right now? Jesus, we thank you for this, uh, for this gift. We thank you for this awesome couple this, this, that is such a blessing to so many around them. And Father, for this word, for this strategic placement of them as they run, God, would you protect them? Would you send angels before them and around them and show them the things that are strategically needed to be interceded for as they run in, in new lands. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, Pastor Ed is going to be sharing today. If you want to come up, Pastor Ed. Um, I love this guy. Yeah. And uh, if I could, he's a mentor in so many different ways. And I know he is to Pastor Jordan as well. And um, Pastor Jordan asked him to share today. And we only gave you an hour and a half. I'll try. Good morning, Rock of Grace. You know, after I listened to all this, it seems like I'm here because I'm the only one that wasn't sick. But it's always a joy to share God's word. I want to talk about uh, prayer this morning. And maybe just the first verse of the Lord's Prayer. You know, we can pray and then God does something and we begin to wonder, was that just an accident? Remember when they were praying for Peter to get out of jail and he got out of jail and then they said, well, that couldn't be. Well, I found a story I thought was pretty uh, comical because... Actually, the principle of it happens a lot. This happens sometime back in a little town in Kentucky. 
And uh, <clears throat> there was an atheist in town who owned a distillery. And in that little town, there were also two churches. And they were always trying to do everything they could to get that distillery shut down. But they just couldn't do it. So finally, they had both churches come together. And they began to pray with all their hearts that God would do something to shut that distillery down. And uh, they all went home. And that night, there was a terrible storm. Lightning struck that distillery, and it burnt to the ground. Well, the atheist was pretty upset when he saw his business was gone, so he went to the insurance company, and he said, I'm going to rebuild that distillery. I'll make it bigger and better. And back then, the laws were a little different. The insurance company said, we're not going to pay a dime because that's an act of God. So he heard what the churches had done, so he went back to court. He was going to sue both churches for colluding with God, burning down his distillery. The churches said they did not claim responsibility for that. They didn't want to be sued. And the judge said, this is the strangest case I've ever had. I have an atheist who believes in prayer and two churches that don't. You know, when Jesus prayed, something always happened. And one day, the disciples just said to Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And this is the prayer that the Lord gave them. I call it a perfect prayer because it came from the mouth of God himself. Now, this is not a prayer that you're supposed to say over and over and over and over again Because in that same chapter, God warned about all that babbling, like pagans do, hoping that God will hear them. He said, so when you pray, I want you to pray like this. So I thought this morning we could uh, say the Lord's Prayer together. I put it in the NIV version, but could we all stand And pray this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The Lord gave me this uh, sermon a few weeks ago, so I figured somebody was going to call me to invite me to preach. 
But he told me just to stick on the first part of the verse. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Did you ever stop and think, these are the words that got Jesus killed? Did you ever think about that? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There were many times that uh, the religious leaders wanted to stone him. And Jesus said, why? What good work are you stoning me for? And they said, not your good works. It's because you said you're from God and that he's your father. Jesus began his ministry, as we know, at a wedding in Cana. His mother convinced him to supply uh, more refreshments. I don't want to get into an argument over wine or whatever. But that was the beginning. That was his first miracle. Many people started to follow him as he taught them. And I want to say this, that Jesus' ministry was a preaching ministry first, and miracles followed him. Well, the religious leaders saw what was going on, and they became jealous. And you know, once you let jealousy into your heart, it can turn into hatred. And hatred can turn into murder, at least in your own heart. And this is what happened. There were groups of people called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they were not even priests, but they were instructors of the law. But there was, I'll give you a little history lesson real quick. The Pharisees believed in the supernatural. They believed in miracles. They believed in uh, the resurrection of the dead. But the Sadducees, well, they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in any of that. They were inspectors. They were scholars. And I could never truthfully understand how people can want to be in the ministry and not really believe, but want to be guardians of of the scriptures. And they began to inspect Jesus every way that they could. And from that moment, when Jesus said those words, I have come from God to reveal the Father. They put a death sentence on him. And they wanted to destroy him. Now, God in his foreknowledge knew all that. He was going to use that, just like that song Will sang. God can turn the wrath of men into the praise of God. God knew what was going to happen. 
He was going to use that as a pathway of salvation. But Jesus not only said that, he said to those who would come to him that God wanted to be their father too. And that is what really pushed them over the edge. Now, during that day, to the average person, because things were so legalistic in the church, that God seemed far off for people. He was out there. And that's the truth today, too. People who do not have a relationship with God, he's far off. He's like the magic guy in the sky. Say a prayer, but don't really expect anything to happen. In fact, they were taught that the name of God was so holy, they shouldn't even say that name. So they just printed the consonants of that name and didn't put in the vowels. So what they really had was Y-H-V-H. And over time, the correct pronunciation was lost. So people don't even know to this day, is it really Yeshua or is it Jehovah? And even that today causes all kinds of problems. People think you're not holy enough if you don't say Yeshua or, or whatever. But the prayers of the Old Testament were to a God that was far off. I just wrote down a couple of them. I'll, I'll read them. <clears throat> Second Kings 19. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord. And he said, O Lord, God of Israel, who dwells between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Let me read one from Daniel. O Lord, great and dreadful God. All those things are true, but that's not a God who is close. Dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. So that was their history. Even in their worship practice with the temple and beginning with the tabernacle, God was in there. They were outside. Can you imagine today? I'll use Will for an example. Because they were only allowed in the outer court. So can you imagine you want to go to church, you go to the parking lot, and there we stand there and pray and we tell Pastor Will all our sins. And he's really listening. (laughs) And he comes in here And he stands before the Lord, and he prays for us. But he's not even allowed up here. And then once a year, Pastor Jordan, the big guy, he comes in, and he comes up here and intercedes for God. Now, that was the relationship that people had with God. 
Now Jesus comes along with a new revelation, a deeper revelation, and says that God wants to invite you to have intimacy with him, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is my God, my Father, and he wants to be your Father as well. You see, every year the priest had to offer sacrifices again and again and again. And why did they do that? Because the blood of bulls and goats really can't wash away sin. But Jesus came as the Lamb of God. In the plan of God, slain from the foundation of the world, his blood took away our sin. It didn't cover it. It took it away so that we will be cleansed and we can come in to the presence of God and say, Our Father, who art in heaven. He was the perfect sacrifice. God knows all about us. Here's the amazing thing. God knows all about you, and he loves you. There's nothing secret about your life that God doesn't know. Everything you might be ashamed of in your past, everything that you're fighting right now, God knows that. But he wants you to come in to him because he has provided a perfect sacrifice that takes away all of our sin. Now listen to this. We say, well, I remember back when I was a teenager, I remember this. God does not live in time. He is eternal. The day will come that there will be no more time. We will enter into eternity. So what you did, God sees. That's what you did. Not what you did 10 years ago. So when God forgives you, He forgives you. He brings you into his family. Now, forgiveness is a wonderful thing. But to be forgiven and wanted and loved, to think that God wants to hang around with you, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, every time you come in here, you're going to hear that in your heart. I knock at the door of your heart because I want you to be a part of my family. I want to share my life with you. What's that scripture say? If any man will answer that door, I'll come in and eat with him. How many know you usually just eat with friends, right? People you want to get to know. Hey, let's invite them over. He is the one that bore all of our sins. All of our guilt. You know, if you don't get rid of that guilt, it'll kill you. It will. 
shame and guilt, even in kids, will keep them from becoming what God wants them to be. They'll feel like, ah, it's no use for me. That guilt was laid upon Jesus too. And here's a beautiful picture of Jesus in the garden. The guilt and the shame of the whole world was laid on Jesus. Irma Bombeck, that great theologian, <laughs> she said guilt is the gift that keeps on giving. That's why God wants you to get rid of it. And you can't get rid of it until you bring it to God and receive his free gift. So great was that weight upon Jesus that in the garden he was sweating drops of blood. And the Father sent Jesus, I mean sent angels to help him in that garden experience. You know what guilt like in your life. Can you imagine feeling the guilt of the whole world? The shame of the whole world? How dare you or me keep that guilt when Jesus went through that for you? And when you see that truth, I hope you'll never let the devil put that guilt back on you. You know, it's just good news to walk every day, get up and say, Lord, thank you that I'm forgiven. And if you do fall, you get back up and you walk again, just like a kid learning to walk. You walk in that forgiveness. You have to let God transform your thinking because the devil's always there. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's always there to lay something upon your heart. But we don't have to receive that. We walk in the forgiveness of Almighty God. And when you raise your hands, God, and worship him, you say, our Father who art in heaven, and you can experience that intimacy with Almighty God. Because God wants to be very personable to you. I think God showed me something uh, a couple of months ago. How many have a phone, smartphone? Got it? Man, I saw a little kid back there with one. Good for you. Talk your dad into that. Now, here's the truth. Every one of us, if we had good reception in here, and we don't, but if we had good reception, every one of us could ask Siri a question. Isn't that right? 
How do I get to the diner? What's the price of gas? Find me Isaiah 41. Do this, do that, do this. And all at one time, Siri would answer each of us. Wouldn't she? She'd answer each of us and tell us exactly what we were asking. So a puny man can invent something like this. Why do we think that God cannot hear us all personally at the same time? So when you say, our Father, God is listening to you. You think of Siri the next time. If Siri's listening to me, why can't God listen to me? When you pray, God hears you. When you come to him and pray to him in the name of Jesus, God hears you. He cares for you. He's listening. To have intimacy with God, to enjoy his presence forever, is something that the Old Testament saints really never experienced the way you and I do. To have the presence of the Lord every year, to have prophetic gifts flow and, and gifts of the Spirit and, and victory in your heart and your soul, those are all gifts to us through Jesus Christ that came from our Father. So it's a prayer of intimacy. And I think we need to pull ourselves together when we pray, especially during the Thanksgiving season. Before you pray, I want you to think about that. Father, and know that he's hearing every word that you say. Hallowed be your name. He is our Father. And Jesus wanted to rebuild that image in every heart. That God is not a father way out there. God is personable to every one of us. Now, many people don't have a good father image. In fact, our nation right now is suffering greatly from that. But God says, you have a father that is always willing to listen to everything you say. The danger of the Lord's Prayer, and I don't think they do it in school anymore, but growing up, we said that every day. And it's easy to say those words and not even think about it. So I... I pray the next time you pray, you'll think about that. You'll pull yourself together and you'll think, Father, holy is your name. We have intimacy with him because of what happened at the cross of Jesus Christ. The disciples, when they heard this teaching, they said, uh, well, then show us the Father. Show us the Father. We want to see what he's like. 
And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I think that's pretty exciting. None of us are afraid of Jesus. But this great and dreadful God <laughs> sort of has us freaked out a little bit. Well, there is a righteous judgment but Jesus wanted to rebuild the image of God in heaven. He's a father who loves you. You know when you die, you're expected. You're not going to be a surprise. He's not going to say, man, I never thought you'd make it. He's going to say your name. And you know that voice you thought didn't quite was sure if that was God? You're going to find out that was God. All the time, that was God speaking to you. That was your Father in heaven. So community with God and his family is the greatest gift you'll ever receive in this lifetime. To be able to lift up your hands and say, Father... is an experience like no other kind of love. Let me give you an illustration of, uh, maybe I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. <laughs> I have a big Newfoundland dog. Somebody asked, well, it was over in my house, wanted to know if it was a Holstein. I said, no, it's a, that's Walker. And uh, one day Walker was on our screen porch. It has like decking. And uh, I saw him sitting there going like this. And I thought, oh, I bet a bee came up. I don't want him to get stung in the mouth because he has these big jowls. And I... I ran out there. When I got on the porch, a little puppy was sitting on the step to the screen door, like hiding in the corner, wanting to be with Walker. And I said, oh, it was half raining out. It was cold. It was miserable. I said, now, who would drop off a pup in our lane? By the way, don't do that to an animal. So I went outside and uh, I got some chicken. And I went up to her and I was going to make friends. So I got about this far from her and I said, hey. <laughs> wow. I'm not going to hurt you. <laughs> so I threw her some chicken. And she ate it real fast, so I knew she was hungry. She's wet, cold. So I thought, okay, now. I took some more chicken. I threw it to her. She gobbled that up. I had one last piece. I was going to throw it to her. And all at once, she comes charging at me, climbing up my legs. I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> 
And I'm like, oh, hold it. You're not, you're not staying here. <laughs> I love you. I love you. I said, I'll get a box and a blanket, and tomorrow you're out of here. So when I come back out, she was gone. I went to the front door. We have a welcome mat, and she was curled up on the welcome mat. And that's when God spoke to me. This is what people think I'm like. So they growl at me. They're scared of me. I'm trying to help them. Well, it's been six and a half years, and she's still there. (laughs) She owns that farm. She knows every inch of it, where every groundhog hole is. And she thinks I'm the greatest thing, even though my sister said she'd keep her. Hannah sleeps over there at night and is right back at my house all day long, waiting for me. That's the kind of appreciation we should have for God. Oh, God, you knew what I was like. You still know the struggles I have. But you love me. I can say, Father. Father. That's why when we say that, hallowed be thy name. My second point is, I don't even know where it is. It's a call to worship. Once you realize that, you have to worship our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name. He's the set-apart one. He's the anointed. All life flows from him. You know, everything that can be known about God comes from the Father. Everything. Everything. Everything that can be seen of God comes from his son, and everything that can be felt of God is the Holy Spirit. So this intimacy that we have with God wells up within us so that we can worship him. Now that word Yahweh is a connected word. It means to become one. Whatever you need, that's what God wants to be for you. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Sidkenu, all of those names, the Lord. I am whatever you need. But when God sent forth his son, he gave him a name that is above all other names. His name is Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And lastly, our Father in heaven is a call to reach all nations. There you go, right there. 
You notice it doesn't say my father in this prayer. It says our father. And once we experience that, we want everyone to experience it. You know, I know it's easy to say, and I know what people mean by it, but no pastor wants you to say, I like our church just the way it is. I I like the size of it. Because you know what we're really saying is, I'm in the ark. Tough luck for everybody else. If you have a child that isn't quite where you want him to be, then you know where, what God feels. For God so loved what? The whole world. That he gave his son so that he could be our father. And one day when this is all wrapped up, it's going to be about the family of God. As I get older, I think about this sometime. We're all going to get together in heaven. Have a good rock of grace prayer service. (laughs) Called the mercy of God. God's invitation is inclusive. If you're here today and you've never responded, God wants you. You're a young person. God wants you. You'll never find what you're looking for outside of God's ark of safety. You never will. The Bible says in heaven there will be people from every kindred, tribe, and tongue. They'll all worship a little different, just like your family. I don't know if you're having Thanksgiving with them, but they're all different, aren't they? I can make a joke here, but I won't. (laughs) But you love them. They're family. And God is bringing us home. And until that happens, we need to worship him. So I ask you, the team here, if they would come up. Would you just stand? We're going to sing a worship song or two. But before the first words come out of your mouth, I want you just to close your eyes and picture that God is your Father. And He hears you the moment you say a word. He hears you, every one of us. He's that personable to us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Bye.
streets that taught my heart to feel and grace my fears really how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood His mercy reigns unending love amazing as I know how, I invite you into my heart. I believe you died for my sin. I want to receive you as my Savior. Help me receive the Holy Spirit that I might follow you. I call you Father in all the days of my life. I pray, Lord, that you will bless every family that is here today. That you will bring restoration to every family. As we sit down at the Thanksgiving table, Lord, 
remember that all of our blessings are because of you, our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. God bless you. Thank you for coming today.